I'm reading from the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse number 4. And this is on your handout, so it's also on the screen. We're, we're taking it in mid-step, so the stride has already been taken, but we're, we're kind of launching into this dialogue. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The right things of the law. Who walk, this is, he's speaking of us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind, they pay attention, or they they really submit to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, and we can, we can impose upon, upon our narrative, they would mind the things of the Spirit. Here's, here is a declaration. And do your very best to pay attention to this verse. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And pay attention to that verse. If you have your Bible, that's a good scripture to underline. To be carnally minded and to be spiritually minded, they are in direct opposition. There's no cross, there are no crossovers here. There's no melding, there's no meeting of that. Carnal minds and spiritual minds are polar. They're opposite. They stand in rebuttal one to another. So we're on our second level here of spiritual health and living a spiritually healthy life. And I'm going to offer a few things. Three of them will be a little redundant, but I'll, I'll repeat them in, in that so that we might, they might sink in. And then we'll, we'll work from there. Last week we were, we were discussing what need to be removed. And it's, it's sort of like building a house and you're clearing the land. And there are things to be removed from our life. Um, you cannot work on spiritual health until certain things are removed or dismissed. Put away from you, the Bible says, all filthiness of the flesh. Put away the things. Um, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, um, I, 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 I changed my, my thought. So there is a moment uh, like, exactly like the, the, the birth and, and the growth of a child and then into adulthood. Um, there's a moment in time when, when you first find the Lord uh, or you're really new. You, you're, really, you're kind of stumbling around. You're just learning how to walk. And you make a lot of mistakes. And it's okay to do that. But after a while, it's time to grow up. It's time to move up. And everyone is at a different level. So there's no subscribed time when you have to have a certain understanding. But it's really based upon your hunger for God. And your sensitivity to the Lord. Sobriety of spirit. Being sober-minded. Not foolish. Not aimless. So I'll offer a few things in this particular foundation. And I don't have a heading. Uh, I didn't want to burn up a lot of space here. I just had just one page I wanted to do. But, but you can put a heading here if you want. 
But there are, there, there are three things here that I'm presenting as just foundational aspects of this spiritual healthy journey. And the first one is that you have to, you have to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You really can't even get into, uh, into the spirit. In fact, the Bible says you do not know how to understand the word without the spirit. There are a lot of people who read the Bible have no understanding of it. Um, and they get into mysticism. I was, I was in uh, the West Coast, and uh, it is, it's a different area. Um, and there's, there are different people on the West Coast. Um, they're coming here because they like, um, um, they like our tax bracket and many other things. They're all coming here on the West Coast. And one gentleman came to church there. And he has, he believes that there is a sound that emanated from the star that led the Magi to, uh, to, to the birth of Jesus Christ. And so he has recorded the sound and it's a little hum. And he feels that if everyone heard the sound, um, that of course they, uh, uh, they would be enlightened or something. Uh, this is an odd, uh, this is a nut, uh, really, uh, odd nuts. Uh, 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 it's like a cereal brand, Flakes and Nuts. And, and so he's got this recording, and he's going around to all the churches, and he's giving some information about somehow he has found the sound of the star, uh, the star emanated sound. I've never heard of this stuff before. But there's new things that are out there. You know, we might introduce that. I don't know. We, we, always, we used to have a hum in our sound system. I think that that's what he recorded. So you, 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 this is not, this is not something that, 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 that we, that we espouse to because it's not the scripture. But there is a starting line, and that is that you must obey the gospel. You, you just have to obey the gospel. It's, it's without refute. Yeah, there, there is no, uh, there is no religion. There's no denomination. There's no sect, no, no culture, no, no one that, that can bypass the gospel. Jesus said, Believe and obey the gospel. He said that unless you obey it, you'll, you'll perish. So that is really an attendant to being born again. In fact, at midnight, a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3 met with Jesus. And he is concerned about being found out from the other men that are in his group. He knows that if he is seen, that he does not... Uh, that he might be removed from from his order, from the Pharisees, from the order of the Pharisees. And so he approaches Jesus and he says, uh, Jesus, we all know that you're a good teacher from come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so Jesus starts to talk to him about being born again of the water and of the spirit. That is the beginning point of, of your spiritual depth. It's being born again of the water and spirit. That's not a denominational statement. That's a biblical statement. Now that may be part of a denomination, but it's not a denominational statement. Being born again of the water and spirit are the words of Jesus Christ. And he said, the spirit comes. You, it, this, don't marvel. You must be born again. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. From that moment, we find the earliest sermon, uh, the book of Acts, Peter will preach the gospel. 
The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection. He'll preach this. So being born again, the gospel all ties in together. It's the same thing. And Peter will preach to repent. And that's death. And to be baptized in water. And, and that's, that's a water baptism or being born again of water. And of spirit. That's the spirit baptism or an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So that is the beginning point of, of our walk with God. And I want to emphasize this again. This is, a, this is the foundation of, of what we do, and it's the foundation of who we are. It is the culmination of all the Old Testament writings that led us to Christ. All of this led us to Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a long trail of blood that could not atone and remove completely the sins of man from the Old Testament all the way through until the cross of Calvary. And that is the moment when the blood of Jesus Christ was applied. The application of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you went into the tabernacle of of Moses, at the first setting, there is the altar of sacrifice. And there's blood, a lot of blood spilled. And there there is a savor that goes up to God. They took the blood... They put it in containers. But they will wash their hands at the pool, the, the molten pool. They call it the molten sea. It's a body of water. And, and they have this water there. So you have, you have the sacrifice. That's me dying to myself. Then you have the pool. That's the water in baptism. This baptism has been around for a long time. In fact, baptism has been around longer than Acts chapter 2. Baptism... Was, was being done by John the Baptist. That's why they call him John. Now we use, the, we use a, uh, uh, an article there, but really in their vernacular it would be John Baptist. In fact, in the literal interpretation it would be John or the one who baptizes. And what he was doing was he was taking the ritual of the mikvah, which they all experienced the mikvah. Mikvah was, it was a ceremonial bath. You just dip yourself in water and then you could, then you felt cleansed to go into the temple. There was mikvahs all in the southern part of the temple. So with, before you go into the temple or any holy place, you would dip down to the mikvah. Before the scribes would rescribe the scripture, they would, they would take a ceremonial bath in a mikvah and then they would, they would dry them, themselves and then they would write, write the scripture. It was very careful. In fact, if they messed up any word as they, as they rewrote the scripture, they wouldn't tear up the paper, but they would wrap it up in a coil, uh, in, in, a, in a scroll and put it in a jar and bury the jar in the earth. And then they would start over. Before they would write the name of God, Yahweh, they left out the vowels and the vowels and they, and, 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 and they would just put a dash because they wanted to be respectful. So the mikvah was part of that respect and cleansing. But John the Baptist was telling them, listen, your mikvahs, your, your ceremonial cleansing, you've lost the heart of it. You need to have a baptism of repentance. And baptism of repentance was the beginning point. That was the beginning point until Jesus died and was resurrected. And now Peter would preach, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So now there's an introduction of water. It did not start with Acts 2. It started when Jesus said, you have to be born again of the water and of the spirit. 
Then came the infilling of the Spirit. These likenesses were all through the Bible. In fact, when Moses led them out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea, they were led by a cloud. The cloud, there was a Spirit. A Spirit led them. It went before them. Sometimes it went behind them. That cloud descended and it consumed the blood on the mercy seat. Here it is. It's the, it's the altar of sacrifice. It's the molten sea. And then that blood was carried all the way into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat. And that is where it was consumed. The blood was consumed on the mercy seat. Amen. Death, burial, resurrection. The beginning point for any spiritual life begins with death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. How are we doing? Wasn't that all in your paper? It was, it was the first line. Okay. Sorry. Now, after that comes lifestyle. Everyone say lifestyle. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I'll receive you. Because now you're living. If you have not done, number one, now is the time to, to, to be born again. You must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And then after that, then it's life. Then we're going to live life. And we're going to start working on lifestyle, the way you live. Number three is obedience. And obedience is the depth of understanding and adhering to the word of the Lord. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your, sever- your servants to obey. And your, and your servants would be your body, your hands, your eyes, your ears. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. These are stark and glaring differences. This is not a passive statement. It's not given from a, a, from a voice of passivity. This is it. Death or life. Right or wrong. No gray area. No in-between. No half-heartedness. It's hot or cold. So to achieve spiritual health... It can be simplified into these three areas, all of which are the development of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, spirituality is a common thought among people. In fact, a lot of people will talk about being spiritual. Uh, One person in an interview recently said, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the Bible, but I consider myself, and I quote, deeply spiritual. Well, this means that the definition of being spiritual has changed over the years. Um, But in this forum... We denote that spirituality is a walk with God. It is a walk with God. It is founded on the scripture and the Holy Ghost. You, you, anyone can say they're spiritual, but what, that, what, what happens there, that's called self-identification. And this is really rampant in America today. And it's actually also... Um, it's, it's also afflicting the many European nations. Self-identification. Where you can identify as anything. No matter how you were born or what you look like or, 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 or who you are. You, you can identify as a multimillionaire if you like. And I want you to. And no matter what kind of car you're driving, you drove... You can identify your car as something very different than what it actually is. And that's the nonsense that's going on today. However, just so you know, many people identify themselves as being spiritual in the same way that people are identifying themselves as something that they're not. 
Well, I'm spiritual. How did you arrive at that? Well, because I feel that. It's not feeling. (laughs) It's a lot more to it than that. So when it comes to salvation and spirituality, you don't feel your way into heaven. You don't identify your way into heaven. You obey and live your way there. But guess what? We're not the first culture country generation to go through this they were doing this in the days of jeremiah in fact god spoke through jeremiah because they were saying all kinds of things and and god was saying through jeremiah don't trust in the lying words when the people say the temple of the lord is here the temple of the lord is here the temple of the lord are these that was self-proclamation to cover their illicit actions the prophet called them deceptive words. And then he's, before he said, said those words, he said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. And don't trust in these deceptive words. Because even in the days of Jeremiah, people were identifying spiritual aspects, but still they were deceptive. So this has been around a long time. Where people would say, well, I'm very spiritual. Well, what does that mean? Well, you are, we all have a spirit about us. But that doesn't mean that we're godly, spiritual, holy, or living uh, the right life. We're, we want to get to spiritual health. How do I get to spiritual health? How do I feel spiritually healthy? Here's a couple aspects. And this is where the, a little redundancy comes in. But I, I felt to do it. Aspects of spiritual health. Here's a few aspects. It's new birth according to the scripture, not according to your tradition, not according to what, what a family member might have told you. Spiritual health, you start with new birth, the new birth that's found in the scripture. You must have new birth. Number two, it's a daily walk, which implies a pursuit of the Lord. It's a pursuit. You have to be chasing after God all the time. You should be looking after God. You should be asking God what he wants of your day. If you're going to be spiritually healthy, you got to pursue the Lord. Now, people pursue other things. I'm not telling you that people don't pursue other things. Everyone is in pursuit of something. Some people are in pursuit of, of doing nothing. They're in pursuit of a lazy boy, a couch, a, a pillow. It's, it's still a pursuit. It's a desire. It's what you're after. And number three is obedience. Once again, we're back to obedience, which includes, however, self-denial sacrifice, adherence to the scripture and submission. Let me just go through this real quickly. Obedience includes self-denial. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. Self-denial is a major attribute of obedience. Pastor Shock spoke to us some time ago, and he said every day he tries to tell himself no to something. That's not what we're doing in America today. We're, we're not denying ourselves anything. We're just trying to put more on us or gain more. How about saying no? It includes sacrifice. Let me just define for all of you, and we have a lot of new folks that, that are in this room that, that have not heard this, but if you have, let it be deeper etched in your mind. Sacrifice is what you give or present that you cannot replace. If it's time, 
you're not getting it back. If it's money, it's not going to be in your budget. You're not going to get it back. Sacrifice is a death of something. It means you laid something on the altar and it's gone forever. Spiritual healthy people make regular sacrifices. Amen. It's adherence to the scripture. You adhere to it. You obey it. You follow it. You love it. You hug it. I, I, maybe it's just me. I have a problem putting things on top of my Bible. I've got a book. Um, it's smaller than my Bible. And I don't, I want to, I want to stack it up where the big, big book is here and then the smaller book and smaller book, smaller book. But if I do that, my Bible's at the bottom of the stack. I just, I, I just, it's, I'm struggling. I can't do it. And if you're, if you're kind of OCD like me, you want everything symmetrical on your desk and in order. You don't know what that is? Okay. <laughs> okay, if your shirts are in your closet and you have them arranged by color, you're, you're, you're talking my language. If not, I, you know, this is like, I might be speaking French. Um, but I have a little issue because... That's the word of God. And I don't want to just toss it aside and manhandle it. I, I, I don't like to put other books on top of it. There's something about the scripture. It's my bread. I eat it in the morning. I think about it in the afternoon. I quote it when I'm walking. I, when someone's asking me advice, I'm... My brain is like a computer. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, what scripture applies to their need? What can I say that's in alliance with the word of the Lord? Amen. And finally, it's submission, which is a very difficult thing to do. Submission is a, is a very difficult thing for all of us to do. And, but that is all in attendance uh, to, the, to the concept and the, and the word of obedience. I'm just moving into a little bit here because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to walk down into our, uh, this vast pool where spiritual health resides. And I want to talk to you a little bit about a presupposition. This, this, will, this helps me and might help you to just get, get a grasp on things. This is a working definition. Presupposition. Something assumed beforehand or at the beginning of a course or even an argument, whatever it might be. You presuppose something is true. Um, you presuppose before, beforehand. You presuppose. And in that presupposition, there's a few things that I, that I naturally think about, that we as a church think about. We think that the gospel is by water and spirit. It, it, because the Bible says so, we that's, that's already assumed. That no one can become spiritually strong if they are carnally minded. I read the scripture to you. you you're just, if you're carnally minded, you're not spiritually minded. You can't be. I read the scripture to you. In Romans chapter 8. There's no, no one is ever spiritually minded if they're, if they're also carnally minded. One fountain is not going to bring out bitter and sweet water. One seed is going to bring, bring 
the fruit that is akin to the seed. Here is, here is the last part. Spiritual health is. There's many things that we could say what it is, but let me just say a, a few, a few uh, negatives of it. It is not offsetting or mixture or a mixture of worldliness by good or religious action. So, so it's not, you don't, you don't do one thing to try to make up for the other. You, 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 spiritual health is not attained by, it, it's kind of like, well, you know, I've eaten so bad tomorrow. I'm just going to eat bananas and grapes and, and cucumbers. And then every other day, you're just, you know, one day my diet is pizza and, and, and Twinkies. And the next day, it's going to be fruit. Well, this is, this is how a lot of people live. They, they live this way where, where I'm going to have my spiritual moment. I've got two. I've got a Wednesday. And I've got Sunday. And, and I, I might throw in something. But, you know, the rest of the time, I'm just going to say a lot of cuss words. And I'm going to, I'm going to watch a lot of junk. But, I, but listen, I'm going to church on Sunday. That is, you'll never reach spiritual health. Spiritual health is never attained by something that, that you think, well, this offsets what I'm doing. That's right. A grievous words stir up anger, but a soft answer turneth away wrath. So it, it's, it's incredible the, the length that people will go to try to make up for what they've done. And then go back and over and over and over again. I'm talking about spiritual health. I'm talking about getting myself into a healthy situation. It is not intermittent religious activities. It's not just here, I'm going to, it's a religious activity, and then I'm going to do another religious activity. It's a lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen. It's every day. It's every day walking with the Lord. It's every day walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm, many times I'm concerned not about, I'm concerned about people who have extreme highs and extreme lows. That in one day they're seeing visions and dreams and they're seeing all kinds of things. And the next day they're terribly depressed and don't even know if God exists. They're not even sure. They're not even sure if, this is, if, if they're even going to be saved or not. This, this massive extreme, uh, it's an intermittent activity. And so, no, that's not spiritual healthy. Spiritual health is not subjective in thought or action. You don't get to decide. It's not subjective. It, the Bible lays it all out for us. And, and, and if we get into subjectivism, what we have is we've got this, we, then, then we're going to create our own definitions of who God is and what we should be. When the scripture already gives us all of the elements of who the Lord is and all of the elements of who the children of the Lord are. So thus, we presuppose that spiritual health includes many things, not the least of which is time with God and doing things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Someone is here and I need to tell you this. I, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you this. You've come into this place and you need a lifestyle change. I want to, I want to tell you this. If you'll sat, listen, if you'll saturate yourself in this house for one year, God will change your life. Don't walk in thinking there's a magic trick and all of a sudden, after two weeks, you're going to be compl- everything's going to be fixed. God will heal you over time. But you're going to have to saturate yourself in this house. Over time, you're going to look back and there's going to be an elevation of spiritual health and you're going to look back and say, I don't even remember the person that I used to be. 
Because something happens over time. It's, and I've said this many, many times, but if I saw someone, they took this steak, and it wasn't very good steak, but they said, we can make this a wonderful tender steak, and they put it into a solution. I don't, want to, I don't know what it was. It was some kind of acidic thing, and it had some garlic cloves, and, and they marinated that thing, and then after they got done, they said, we'll cook it, and it'll taste like, it'll taste like a $50 steak. Sure enough, because it had time to change the fiber and the constitution of, of, of the meat. That is their heart. Your heart will change over time. If you're looking for a quick fix, then you have to, you, you need to go to the National Enquirer and you can see the magazine right there at Walmart, lose 30 pounds in two weeks. And there's a picture right underneath it. They found a man, half man, half goat. We all knew that's true, but that, half man, half mule. <laughs> he said, "Well, I know, I know somebody. I'm married to a man like that." Okay. This idea, hey, listen, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to get spiritual. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to have an experience. But if you want to be spiritually healthy. Over time, the saturation. I, I, I wish you just turned the page to the last thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Look at the very last line. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? When you start to seek God, ladies and gentlemen, the things that you did want change into the things that he wants. The problem is, we read the verse and we think, hey, I love the, I'm seeking the Lord. I, listen, Lord, I need a new this, I need a new that, and I need, no, you don't. Because if you're seeking the kingdom, your mind becomes different. Your, your ideas become different. All of a sudden, your desires start to follow and match what the kingdom desires are. Amen. So it's not subjective. It's not what I think, it's what the Bible says. And, and this is going to take some time. And it's doing the things that pertain to the kingdom. We, we suppose, presuppose that spiritual health includes time spent with God. Doing things that pertain to the kingdom. With a heart to please him. My heart has to be changed. How can my heart be changed if I'm not spending time with God? How can my heart be changed unless I'm doing the things of God? Sometimes my heart has to follow my hands. I don't know how that is, but I, I know in my brain I've I got to do this. Well, is your heart in it? Not yet. <laughs> but, my, but I'll tell you what right now. I can't wait till I emotion, my emotion follows up with my knowledge. Well, you're just not being true to yourself. Oh, I may not be, but I want to be true to God. I'm going to obey God whether I feel it or not. I'm going to obey God. I may not like it, but I'm going to do it because God said I'm going to do it. And my heart's going to have to get in line. But before I, before I respond with, watch, before I respond with praise and worship and shouting and dancing, I don't check it out whether or not I feel good. It's not about how I feel. It's about who he is. And my heart's going to follow my hands if, that, if it takes that. Now, now, I hope, I hope over time, my heart is leading the way and I'm feeling it. Amen. But either way, it's, it's, I'm going to have a heart that pleases the Lord. So this is only a, um, the 
foundation, but it leads to spiritual healthy life. Now, if you turn the page, I do want to talk a little bit about Peter's words here. They're, they're very sharp. He's forthright. He's very bold. It's, it's, it's really a daunting, and I will even go as far as a frightening verse, when Peter writes, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. He knows how, he knows how to get you out. But he also knows to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. It's a little, be careful now. Because we've all walked around from time to time and said, man, that person's so horrible. How come they're living, it looks like they're living such a good life? Don't worry about it. If they don't repent, their day is coming. God reserves the day of judgment. There'll be a day. That's in the Lord's hands. And Peter will go further than that and say of those unjust, ungodly people, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, self-willed. There's a big word, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak. Not afraid to speak of dignitaries. Even the angels, they're greater in power and might. They, they don't even bring an accusation Against the unjust before the Lord. They are silent. Matthew 15 verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. That's what Jesus said. And I'm, 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 I'm in pursuit of a spiritual health not just for myself, but for my family and, and, and uh, for the church and for the people that I'm around, and people that are beyond this house. How do, we, how do we get to spiritual health, real spiritual people? How do we become a spiritually minded group? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I'm after because I, I'm, I don't want to just... Um, I don't want to rely upon uh, any any kind of abilities. I want to any kind of giftings. I want to I want to be spiritual healthy according to the scripture. It does produce something. Uh, the achievement of unity comes through spiritual people. Now, during the course of my life, I've seen I've seen a couple of churches come very, very close to a true unified body. Unity is a rarity. In fact, it's so rare that many people have had to dilute the definition of unity, water it down, just to, just to try to get to that level. Unity, this is life, this is my life teaching tonight. Unity and that achievement, it comes through multiple things, not the least of which are silence, submission, and servanthood. Now before you, you, you journey too far, because, because our minds start to think, well, that means pastor doesn't, doesn't want us to speak. That means that I should not always speak. Because the Spirit needs to lead. That means the collective group, including me. 
We don't always need to speak and let the Spirit move. Let the Spirit speak. What is the Spirit speaking? Here's the question to you. What is the Spirit speaking to you? What has the Spirit said to you recently? What is the Lord talking to you about? I've got to wait and hear what the Spirit has to say. When we walk in on Sunday and I open up my Bible, the one prayer that I prayed for this whole time before I, whatever scripture I'm reading is, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? What's the Spirit speaking? I've got to know what the Spirit has to say. And I've got to pray. Because if I don't pray and seek God, anything that comes out of my mouth is humanism. It's what I think. But I want to say what the Spirit has to say. Now, that is not always pleasant for me, and it's not always pleasant for the people. But if the Spirit is speaking, we'd rather have the Spirit talking to us than have any orator talking to us. We'd rather have the Holy Ghost speaking in this house than have a wonderful speech by somebody. Amen. So there's got to be silence. And silence includes a lack of opinions. Because if we become a very opinionated people, which is already the affliction of our nation. Because we're a democratic republic and everybody has a right to speak their own mind. But in the kingdom of God, we're after the kingdom. But if we're heavily opinionated people, then we'll never achieve unity. And then there's got to be submission to to the Lord, to the scripture, to the way of God. And then there's got to be servanthood. Because servanthood means that the least of us become the leader. This was the argument of the disciples, Lord, who's going to be, who's going to be the head? Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus turns to them and says, whoever is the least among you shall be the leader of you. The head and whoever's the head shall be the, the servant of you. It was counterintuitive to everything they thought. Amen. Servanthood. Letter B. The achievement of wise counsel combined. This is my life thought here. Combined with the ministry of reconciliation comes through spiritually healthy people. There's two things here. It's wise counsel. And it's the ministry of reconciliation. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he which are spiritual among you, restore such a one. In your, in your spirit of meekness, you consider yourself. You will be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. So in restoration, you have to be very careful about restoration. You have to have wise counsel in restoration. Many people have been hurt and wounded trying to restore someone because you don't have the wisdom to do it. Not, not everyone should just think they can jump in and try to restore someone who's, who has a wrecked marriage and a wrecked life and a lot of baggage and a lot of issues and a lot of addictions. You've got to be very, very careful. And some people who need to be restored, they have spiritual issues, spirits, strongholds. So there's going to have to be wise counsel and the spirit of, and the ministry of reconciliation. Those two things go together. Because you can feel like God wants us to restore people. Yes, he does. Now who's the wise man among you? Who's the wise lady among you that can help bring that person out to say the right words? Because the ministry of reconciliation is not something that's pass- passive. It's not something that gives allowances. It's, it, it is not, it's not the voice of, uh, of, of enablement. Sometimes it's the voice of correction. Sometimes it's the voice of instruction. Sometimes it's the voice of rebuke. And if you don't have the right wisdom, you can get wounded and wounded other people in the meantime. Be very careful. We will restore everyone, but look around. You don't have to do it by yourself. 
Not every prodigal comes back to the Lord wanting to be a servant. Because in the scripture, the second son who came back, he said, if I can just be a servant in my father's house, the, 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 the guys who wait the tables eat better than I'm eating. And he fell down and he wanted to be a servant. But the father welcomed him back a son. But not everybody comes back on the father's terms. So when they come back and we want them to come back, hey, it's time to shed all the old junk. It's time to come on home. When someone comes in new and they don't know anything, all we want to do is put our arms around them and love them. Oh, man. So we better have some wise counsel going on. And when we get wise counsel and we combine that with the ministry of reconciliation, I'm going to tell you something. There is no telling what God will do because many people will flood this room and they'll come into your life. And that's spiritual health. Here's letter C. Spiritual healthy homes employ moral boundaries. Young adults, if you're not living at home, you should have some moral boundaries. Things you will not do. Places you will not go. Websites you will not look at. Things you will not say. Words you will not, you will not speak or spell. I don't think anyone should be spell cussing. That makes me angry, spell cussing. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, let's just, let's forget the spelling. You might not even know how to spell it. You don't have to say it. What? You're going to pray, speak in tongues, shout, clap your hands, jump up and down on Sunday, and you're going to be cussing somebody out on Monday? What? You're not spiritual healthy. You just went through an exercise. That makes you a weekend warrior. You're going to die on the battlefield. No wonder why you're, you're anemic because you didn't, you didn't exercise the Holy Spirit during the weekday. And you thought you'd get fixed up with some good fruit and vegetables on Sunday. Yeah, yeah you've been eating little Debbie's all week long and sugar and all that stuff and a square donuts and you got all that. Living on that, but then you walk in and you wonder, well, where is God at? I'll tell you where he was. He was there the whole time that you could not control yourself because you didn't have a moral code. We have to have a boundary. It's just, we just don't go there. We just, I just don't do that. Number two, this is, just trust me on this now. I don't know. More, more, I mean, spiritual healthy homes, they employ work ethic. It's called reward and repercussion. Work ethic. There's a book out in our, our, our bookstore. I thought it would be sold out by now. It's called Make Your Bed. That's what you do. You get up in the morning, you make your bed. Make your bed. <laughs> work ethic. Got to have work ethic. You know what we're doing right now? We're, we're, we're watching the degradation of three generations. I'm on the plane. Guy sitting next to me. Looks like an Italian guy. I said, man, you really, you really look like a family member. He said, well, what's your family? What's, I, said, I said, well, um, you know, come from a strong Italian background. I said, what's your, what is your nationality? He said, I'm American. I'm American. Okay. I said, all right, but, but 
ethnicity. He said, well, I grew up in Iran, and I came when the revolution came. I was 15 years old. He said, I've been in America as long as you've been alive. You see, it's, it's really funny. Immigrants want to be American, and they don't identify just as American. People that are here want to identify as Italian-American. <laughs> I'm German-American. But, but if you came from a country that was war-torn, you're just happy to be an American. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that Iranian guy, he started teaching me some lessons. He said, yeah, you know, I got two nephews. He said, I noticed you were reading your Bible. Are you a man of the cloth? I said, well, I, I try to be yes. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you, something's, something's not right. He said, I've been here a long, long time. I got two nephews, and they don't want to work. They have no work ethic. He said, I, I have real estate. And he said, he said, they go to the gym. They got muscles. You should see them. He said, Reverend, you should see my nephews. They got muscles. They can do this. He said, they didn't have any experience in the industry. He said, so I needed a ditch dug. He said, I gave them two shovels to dig the ditch. They came in an hour later and said, this is too hard. He said, they can lift weight, but they can't dig, dig a ditch. And we laughed and said, well, that's a different muscle, isn't it? One is self-engrossed and the other one is called Discipline. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can bench press something, but can you, can you work? Can you make the bed? Work ethic. You think this is not helping, but it's critical for spiritual health. Because people who are not spiritual, by and large, I don't want to make a bit generality, but by and large, there are also people that are lazy in life. Lazy in life people rarely fast three days. Because one time you fast. Listen, my first day I'm dying of hunger pangs. My second day I'm dreaming of, of shrimp and lobster tails. And my third day I'm thinking of sirloin and watching the food network. and Bobby Flay. But you get past that and then you're okay. But if you can't get past the first day, it's so hard. I'm digging this ditch. Yes, that's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Usually they're not, they're not around to work at the church because they think it's someone else's job. But if you employ this at home, number three is biblical principles taken directly from the Bible. The principles of the Bible, because the Bible doesn't use the word marijuana. It doesn't use the word methamphetamines, fentanyl. It doesn't use the word Marlboro. No, but it does use the word, the principle, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here are the principles. You don't, you don't damage your body. The Bible doesn't tell you what rating that you should watch and what you shouldn't. The Bible says, put no evil thing before your eye. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. You make a covenant with what you're looking at. The Bible talks about Lot, who, who cast and put his house so it faced Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't live there. He just had a front door window to Sodom and Gomorrah. Whatever you're looking at, that's where you will eventually live. Amen. How are we doing? So there's got to be principles of your life. And you can say, well, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that. But what's the principle of the scripture? Number four, proper conduct. Proper conduct. You conduct yourself in a, in a way. Where you go, what you say, how you live. Communication, honor, and respect. And and. This is for some of the parents. Reasonable expectations. It's interesting to note that, that 
that parents sometimes put unreasonable expectations on their families. Reasonable expectations. Because we can, once again, we can shift so violently out of control. We think, well, you've got to be here and other people are there and you've got to achieve this. No, you don't. No, you don't. There has to be an expectation, but it has to be reasonable expectations. Amen. And the right expectations. We're going to love God. I never had a choice whether or not I could come to church or not. It was reasonable. You go to church. You serve the Lord. This is what we do. <laughs> we had prayer at our home. It was, it, but you know, I mean, I, I didn't last the whole 30 minutes. I might have prayed the first five or ten and then got hungry. Had to have a snack break. Mom and dad, they prayed fervently. You know, there had to be an expectation. If you're going to have a healthy home, there has to be some expectations, but I want to say it has to be reasonable. And letter D, a church body which engages in selfless acts, worship and sacrifice, prayer and fasting, giving and serving, produces generations of strong, stable, fervent apostolic believers. This is what we desire. If the Lord tarries, there should be grandchildren now that grow up and they are the teachers, they are the workers, they are the prayer warriors, they are endowed with spiritual gifts. I want the next generation, one down from me and the next one down from me, I want them to be way more powerful, way more insight. I want to look up at them, I want them to speak and revelation come out of their mouth. It is my fervent desire that the best preaching has yet to be heard and it won't come from me. And the best singing that has never been heard yet and the best worship services and the most powerful exhortations have yet to be spoken because the next generation of apostolics will be more powerful and more consecrated. They'll be spiritual, healthy people. Amen. And if we can achieve that, oh, man. If we can achieve that, it means that now we've got to make sure we are constrained. We are, we are fervent. We are sober-minded. We are seeking God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, our strength, everything. Just dive in every way. If you want to really be healthy, just go all out. And if you're going to be healthy, you're going to have to throw away a, a whole bunch of junk out of your mind. Just just. Go start a diet. Any diet. Just go to start a diet. The best way to start a diet is not to buy Oreo cookies. I don't know exactly what a good diet is. I do know where not to begin. You don't begin at Dunkin' Donuts. You don't begin there. And if you open up the cupboards and all you see is the junk food, and you're on a diet, the best way is throw it away. You can say, well, I paid some money for it. Yes, but you're paying a bigger price. So you might have to throw away some old ideas, things that you assumed along the way that was not true. You have to throw those away. You have to, you have to get rid of some things so that you can have time to spend with God. You want to do something? You, do, you, do you want to reach somebody for the kingdom? You're going to have to scratch a whole bunch of incidentals and trivial things to have time to reach someone and develop a relationship. Amen. Here's the false assumptions. I'll offer you three, and there's so many, and I'll, I'll try to wrap up with this. The first assumption is, has to do with head knowledge. 
I'm, 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 I'm just going to learn a whole bunch and then I'm going to be spiritual. I'll have spiritual depth. You know that head knowledge is widely revered. It's applauded by, by so many people. The scholar, especially the Bible scholar, they know all kinds of things. Trivia, facts, insights, derivatives of Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. I love all that stuff. I want to know. That doesn't make you spiritual. The learned man, the learned woman, however, if they're not, if they're not godly, if they're carnally minded, they have a grasp of context and timelines and customs and meanings and origins, perhaps, declaratives. But if obedience is not part of their walk with God, then there's no spirit and there's no anointing. And there's no depth. Because you can know all of the Bible trivia and be far from God. That does not mean that we should not read the word. It just means we're, we have to be very careful. It's a false assumption. This is going to take prayer. It's going to take the Bible. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take devotion. We, we suppose, and rightly so, that to be spiritual, there has to be this close bond with the Scripture and with the Spirit. Uh, number two, and the false assumption is tenure. Tenure. I've been around a long time. It leads to understanding. I know it all. I've seen it all. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. In fact, the longer you've been serving the Lord, the more fruit you should show. And if you've been around the Lord a long time and been born again for many, many years, you ought to have somebody that's with you that you have won to the Lord. When I start talking about soul winning, there is a, there, no matter where I'm at, no matter what audience I'm speaking to, and I start putting into real context and names and who has taught a Bible study, the, the long members recoil and they get all nervous. And then all the excuses come out. They want to be spiritual, they want to be considered as spiritual. But tenure doesn't mean you've got great understanding. It does, not, it, do, it does not mean, it does not mean that. I hope you're stable. I hope you have long tenure. But do something with your time. Amen. Sometimes I'll just amen myself. Amen. And then I'll just go on. I feel better. Number three. Natural process leads to insight. Natural. Just, it's just going to jump on you. you know, I'm just around it. Now, this is what I can tell you. You can be found guilty by association, but you probably won't be found spiritual by association. (laughs) You can can be found guilty, but probably not justified. Yeah, I I know men and women. He's a godly man, and she is a carnally-minded woman. She is a spiritual lady, and he is far from God. And they're married. But they're not the same people. So the association doesn't matter. And it's not just going to jump on you. you got to pursue it. You want this? Let me just ask you. Do you want to have a powerful, spiritual, Holy Ghost-filled church where people are getting healed and miracles are happening all the time? It's, us to, uh, it's up to us. It's not just going to happen because of one person's sacrifice. But when the whole body becomes spiritually healthy, something begins to change in the atmosphere. 
It's when you, it's when you go back home and you start employing all the stuff and, and you start learning how can I achieve the unity of the spirit and how can I be more wise? If you want wisdom, ask of God. If you want, if you want your home to be a place of peace and not a place of anger, then you're going to have to reset the boundaries of your life. And if the church is going to be a powerful church, and it has to be a powerful church, we don't have time to be weak. We don't have time to be unhealthy. We must be spiritually healthy people. We've got to be spiritually healthy. Amen. And if we can achieve that, out of that will come mass revival. You're still going to deal with the spirit world. You're still going to deal with demonic spirits. But when you become spiritually healthy, you're going to identify what's out there. You'll readily see it. Amen. I'm, I'm desperate for this. And the next two weeks, we're going to go a little deeper and a little deeper into developing our spiritual health. This whole month is, is devoted to prayer and to fasting. I'm, I urge you, take time and pray. If, if, if it's not... If it's not here, and I hope it's here, but take time and pray and seek God and block out everything that you can block out. And if you're having trouble concentrating, put a little notepad. Sometimes I put a little notepad when I'm praying, and every time I'm reminded of something. I don't know if it's me or the enemy. I just write it down. Then I go on. Okay, thank you, devil, for reminding me all the things I got to do. Now I can pray. I remember everything I'm supposed to be doing the moment I start praying. And, and if, you, if you'll pray and get sensitive to the Lord, there's going to be some spiritual health rise up in your life. And all the people said amen. 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 Jesus, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I know that you desire more than us that we are all spiritually minded and not carnally minded. I know that it is your will, Lord, that we would seek your kingdom, but... You won't make us do it, Lord. So I pray, help us to have a desire to seek your kingdom, to change our life. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would, we would invest our time in the work of the kingdom and reaching souls and becoming spiritually healthy, powerful, prayerful. Help us to, with joy, take on sacrifice, whatever that may be. And I pray, Lord, help us to reach this world, people, so many people that are hurting and lost and confused. and Help us to be wise as we, as we recover people who've been, who've been here but gone, but, but these prodigals are coming back. I pray, help us to be wise, Lord. And I do pray for the ministry of reconciliation to be granted among us, Lord. And help us to restore all kinds of people, all manners of things. I know, that, Lord, that your will is for us to grow internally, numerically, Lord, in our own hearts and minds. So help us, Lord, to obey your scripture, to do the things that pertain to the king. And I ask you that in Jesus' holy name. And all the people said amen.